Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here to take your call and your texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or something maybe that's come up in your Bible reading that you're curious about and you'd like to find out more information about or get some clarity on. We'd love to talk with you and try to answer those questions for you. And if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. So feel free to call in with those prayer requests. We have so many people listening who can say yes and amen as we pray for those things together. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of those of you listening, uh, whether you're listening here in Colorado and Southern Wyoming on Grace FM, or if you're listening on one of our syndicated stations, uh, like on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, um, we are uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, also, we're syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So if you're tuning in on one of those stations, welcome. So glad that you're part of this uh, growing network of, of um, Calvary Live. Just a reminder that those of you who listen on the East Coast and in the region around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind. We would love for you to call in and, and then ask your questions, and you get to tune in then the following week and hear yourself on the air. So um, do give us a call no matter where you're calling from, but just remember that to those of you on the East Coast, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. Oh, we also want to give a big hello to everyone who listens online. We know there are so many of you who tune in via the mobile app. And if you don't have that mobile app, we definitely recommend that you go get it. So just go in the App Store, whatever uh, device you use, and you can just type in Grace FM, and it should come right up. And with that app, you can listen um, pretty much uh, anywhere you are in the world. You can listen over the Internet um, live to the show. So uh, I listen to it on the go on, on the phone, and uh, as I travel around, even traveling around the country, it's really cool to just be able to connect and tune right in to whatever's being aired on Grace FM. And if you uh, sit at a computer or you're in front of a laptop or something like that, then uh, you can always just go to gracefm.com, pull it up on your browser, and you can listen live right there in the browser. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always kind of the best time to call in if you want to get on the air because we... Uh, tend to be full-on calls later in the show, but here in the beginning of the show, uh, usually have open lines like right now. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado, and we love where we, uh, we love Jesus and we love to study God's Word. Currently, we are studying through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings, and uh, just a great, rich time. This past Sunday, we 
uh, finished Romans chapter 8. We've been going at a pretty good pace through Romans, but when we got to chapter 8, we decided to slow down and just walk through it really slowly to make sure that we didn't miss anything, that we got it all. And it was just a, a rich study. Um, we talked about this incredible security that we have. I, I guess, you know, I had read Romans 8 lots of times, and I, I actually taught this section before. But it was this time around, studying through it, that um, that it really made sense to me. And, um, you know, he says some, some very interesting things, but they're all around the idea of assurance, of assurance that we can have assurance that God will indeed complete what he has begun in us in Christ. And he tells us this kind of unbroken chain of God's saving work in our lives, starting in verse uh, 29. Well, you know, of course, the very well-known verse in verse 28, he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And um, there are two questions that come out of that. Number one, we have to ask, well, what is the good that he's working for? Like, because I might have a different definition of good than you do, or, or what if we both have a different definition of good than God does? So we have to define what good is, but then we also have to ask the question, well, that's a really nice promise that God's going to work all things for good, but how do I know it's true? And kind of the context there in Romans 8 is that he's been telling us how God has saved us, and that God has justified us, and he's even made us his children. But then the question somebody might ask is, okay, well, I'm a child of God, but kind of what good does that do me in this life? Because in, in the next life, yeah, I realize I'm going to go to heaven, and that's a really great thing. But in this life, what good does it do me to be a child of God if I still have to deal with things like cancer and divorce and uh, lots of other very difficult and painful things? And so what Paul does in Romans 8, starting in verse 18, is he says, in light of the truth of the gospel, here, here's how it all applies to your life here and now. It says that, yes, we, we groan, we long for the day when all of our faith will be sight, when all of our faith will come to fulfillment. But we also live this life knowing that God is working all things for good. And what is that good? He tells us in verse 29, the good is that he is going to conform us to the image of Jesus. Now, you know, a lot of times when I think about what's good for me, I tend to think about things like um, I want to be comfortable every day and I want God to fix my problems, right? But well, it would seem that God actually has something better than that in mind, right? There are things in my life that happen which don't go according to my plan to be comfortable and have an easy life, but they go according to God's plan to make me more like Jesus, to make me wise like Jesus, to make me good like Jesus, to make me humble and loving and true like Jesus, strong like Jesus. And so uh, that is the good that he's working for in my life, is to make me more like Jesus. But what really stuck out to me here at the end of Romans 8 is that he, he lists this, what we call this unbreakable chain, where he says, those whom God foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. And, and I love that um, that verse there where it says that he glorified. Here's what's so crazy about that. It's talking about something which is still to come in the future, but yet it talks about it in the past tense. And what that means is that it's in God's mind, in God's perspective, it's as good as done. It's a sure thing that we can totally count on it. And that, that brings us so much, um, so much security and we can face anything life gives us with uh, so much confidence.
So we have all open lines right now. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. And what I was telling you is that I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Um, just a few things about where we meet. We meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So that address, we are one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is just right downtown. So we're in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, the city park here in Longmont. And we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So just one block west of Main on Longs Peak, right downtown uh, St. Vrain Memorial Building. And we're called Whitefields Community Church. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, we have a children's ministry for your kids, and we're studying through Romans. It's a great time to come join us. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. You can find directions and listen to past messages and all that good stuff on there. So whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we have a show called Life in the Field, which is kind of an allusion to the fact that we live our lives in God's mission field, on mission with him. So again, the number to call, 303 690 It's 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. There in Romans 8, uh, I'll just go on and tell you a couple more thoughts about the end of Romans chapter 8. Uh, he says, you know, what can we say against these things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And um, it says, it is God who justifies. Who is going to condemn? Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. And what that says to us is this, that the only one who could condemn us is actually advocating for us, right? Jesus Christ, the only one who could condemn us for our sins. Look at what he's doing. He is not against us, but he's for us, and he's advocating for us. He's given his life for us, and he's interceding for us. And that fills us with so much hope. But then he says at the end, you know, what can separate us from the love of God? And he gives this long list and comes to the conclusion that nothing. And, and I always wonder, what does that mean? How do you get separated from the love of God? Well, what he's saying is, if God has placed his love on you, if he has called you his child, is there anything in heaven and on earth that could make him not call you his child, make him uh, stop loving you or fall out of love with you? And the answer is no. And, and here's why that's so encouraging, because it means that God has his grip on you. And so sometimes we think, you know, I've got my grip on God. I'm holding on to him in the midst of this storm. But the good news is that, yes, you should do that. Hold on to him. But the, the great news is that even as you hold on to him, know this, that he's holding on to you and his grip is even firmer uh, on you than your grip is on him. And that's really encouraging. So this coming Sunday, we're going to be studying Romans chapter 9, which I know is uh, one of those chapters that, that people either kind of love or they, they kind of are wary of. Right? And so in Romans 9, it talks about God's sovereign choice. And it's kind of coming off of Romans 8, where he's saying that uh, you know, God has done the saving work in which he has placed a, a plan and a destination, and he's going to see us through. And so Paul kind of anticipates the next question, which is, well, what about Israel? Wasn't Israel also chosen by God? But then look at so many Jews don't believe in God, and so many Jews um, have rejected God. And so how do we make sense of that? If if calling an election is such a big and, and secure thing, then how, what, what do we do with Israel? Because they apparently were called and elected too, and yet many of them are not walking with God. And so we're going to be talking about that this Sunday, and, um, and I'm really excited about doing that. Um, you know, I know that there's a little bit of 
caution that goes with that too because people get um people can get super uh super confused about this topic of election predestination god choosing and all that so maybe there's some of you out there listening and you have questions about that topic yourself i'd love to hear from you go ahead and give me a call the number is 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897 again that text line 720-336-0897 we still have all open lines so it's a great time for you to um to call in so we we have a prayer request that came in let's go ahead and pray for aj aj has stage four cancer that has come back and aj does not know the lord she's not a christian so let's pray for aj heavenly father we pray for aj and we we um we thank you that there are people in aj's life who love her and care about her and also care about not just her physical well-being but they care about her spiritual well-being they want to see her um be saved and they want to see her that when this life is over that she wouldn't um, lose her soul so lord we pray for aj we pray that lord you would take hold of her that you would uh, break through any walls or any hardness or any misunderstanding or, or lack of understanding she might have of the gospel any hardness of heart she might have lord we pray that you would break through those things and uh, and we pray that aj would respond to your grace that she would respond to the gospel that as she sees the end of her life nearing possibly Lord, that uh, it would be the motivation, that it would be the turning point, it would be the catalyst for her turning to you, and giving her life to you and surrendering all to you. Lord, because in that case, we know that in the gospel, essentially the gospel makes us invisible. Anything that can happen to us and does happen to us, it's only a temporary setback. It's only temporary and it's only a setback because we know that uh, if we are in Christ, then the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Lord, thank you that in you, the best is always yet to come. But we also know that for those who are not in you, um, that's not the case. That they don't have the hope of heaven. They don't have the hope of eternal life. And so our hearts break for AJ. And Lord, we ask you to please um, save her. We ask that she would understand the gospel, that she would respond to it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady with you, taking your calls and prayer requests, your questions about the Bible uh, here live on the air. Let's go to Sean in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Sean, welcome to the program. Hello. Um, so... <clears throat> I'm a born-again Christian, and I've recently uh, come back to um, my faith, as most of us kind of tend to fall away with the world. And I, uh, I'm an alcoholic, and I, I suffer um, from from the chains. And, and right now I'm reading a book, a wonderful book. It's uh, Joyce Meyer, um, The Battlefield of the Mind. But I was wondering if you could suggest to me some really good scripture that I could I could turn to when I'm, you know, in that moment of battling my mind. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, um, I'm going to give you some scripture to talk about battling your flesh, and then I want to talk about battling your mind. So the first scripture that comes to mind in this subject is um, Romans chapter 6. So it actually begins in chapter 5. So about halfway through chapter 5, so let's say chapter 5, verse 12, through the end of chapter 6. And um, here's why this verse is so important. 
Because what Paul is talking about in Romans is that in Christ, we become new people. We've been given a uh, new life. But here's, here's what's so important about it. And hey, if I, I think I hear the radio there. If you could just turn that down, that'd be great. But um, here's what's so important about it is that he says, we've become new people in Christ. And, and then the person kind of come back, kind of like you're saying, is like, okay, but I'm still struggling with the same old things. And how do I deal with that? And really what Romans 6 tells us is it says that you have been set free in Christ and therefore live in that freedom, embrace that freedom, and walk in that freedom. It means that in Christ you now have been empowered and you have the Holy Spirit in you and you have the power to say no. But I would, uh, I would also agree with you that uh, there's so much that goes on in the mind. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we have this uh, incredible passage about spiritual warfare. And I think what's so interesting about it is that if you look at everything it talks about, it talks about spiritual warfare happening in the, I guess you could call it the battleground of our minds. right? So if you look at all of these things, it's talking about the whole armor of God and what to do. And it's talking about how to fight the schemes of the devil. And, you know, one of the things about the devil, right, what does he do? Jesus called him the father of lies. That's what he does is that he lies. That's his M.O. That's uh, his main way of attacking us is by lying. And so you can think about that, too, with, um, with the, the things that Satan tells us. This will make you happy. This will fulfill you. Or he might tell us you need this. You, you have to have this. If you don't yeah. have this, you won't be okay. And so what does it say to do? Well, I'll, I'll just read it to you. This is Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I love that, by the way, because what it's telling us is, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, because there are times when our might fails, right? And it tells us that we can be strong in his might. And then it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, Sean, what that tells us also is very important. It tells us that your battle is not just a physical one. It's not just a mental one. It's even a spiritual battle. And to treat it as such, to take these, these thoughts that you have, these um, feelings, and understand that while there's a physical aspect to them, ultimately what's behind them is something evil and spiritual. Um, but here's the good news. In Jesus, he's already attained victory over those things. Here's the next part. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So then he goes on, and this is the great part. He lists all these different things. The belt of truth. So think about, you know, they would wear these robes, right? And they, the belt mm -hmm. would be the thing that would hold it all together. And so you can think of truth in that way, that the truth of God's word is what holds you all together, keeps you from falling apart. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be another thing I would tell you is I encourage you to store God's word in your mind. Maybe you know there's this great verse in Psalm 119, um, the longest chapter in the Bible. And it says, I store your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so I think that's one of those things where this is why we read our Bibles every day. Is that we, you know, we're not always just looking for something that can help us in the moment. But what we're doing is kind of just storing these things in our hearts. And, you know, think about it like a warehouse, right? Like you bring it into the warehouse. 
you you load up that warehouse so that when you will need it at some time it's there and and you're ready on a on a kind of quick tangent you know if you look at Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness right after his baptism you know yeah. Jesus gets baptized he goes out into the wilderness and then it says that Satan tempted him and and what's really interesting is there Jesus quotes the bible to combat the temptations that Satan puts in front of him. But here's what's even more interesting, that, that he quotes three times from the same book of the Bible, from Deuteronomy. Now, I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb and guess here, but my guess is that the reason that Jesus was able to do that wasn't just because he was God and he uh, knew the whole Bible, but it was that that was what was fresh in his mind because at some point he had been studying the scriptures and, and especially because they all came from Deuteronomy. And so I would just tell you that just load up your mind with the scriptures so that when those temptations come, you, you have it just right there on hand and you're able to take off the shelf, that thing that's been stored in your heart and say no. And you're able to withstand that temptation. So that's the belt of truth. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness I like that one because think about this. So our righteousness comes from Jesus, right? So his, he gave us his righteousness. That's, that's what grace is all about. That we're not righteous in and of ourselves, but he makes us righteous. And what that does, think about breastplate, what does it protect? It protects your lungs and it protects your heart. And I think about, man, I need to think about that. I need to know that I'm righteous in Jesus so that when I stumble and when I fall, it protects my heart. It protects me so that I can keep going. Um, next says, the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. It says, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So when he throws those lies at you like flaming darts, you have the faith to stand and, and, and block those by faith. Um, just kind of like Jesus did in the wilderness. So this is the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects your head. It protects your brain. And so having that salvation, that knowledge that you, like I was talking about earlier in Romans, that you're saved by God and that he's going to see you through. And um, that's going to protect your mind. And then it says, you know, here's what you do. Now you take up the offense. You take up the word, uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you pray at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. So, man, I think there's so much, and you can really dig into that passage even more than we just did in these last five minutes, but I just really want to encourage you to uh, to think about those two passages in particular. So Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, what Romans. was the other one? Romans chapter 6. Okay, I, and I, I'm going to, man. Thank you. Hey, I've got some resources for you. I don't know. You said you live in Denver. Uh, I know yeah. this Calvary Aurora has a great group. You know, there's a lot of support groups out there, but this one's really good because it's really gospel centered, you know, because uh, I mean, I'm sure there are other great ones out there, but I know this one is good. So it's called the most well, excellent way. Go ahead. I, I, I just, um, uh, a coworker of mine, she, I call her my little guardian angel. She's a little, so young, but uh, she, we can share our faith together, and and she showed me that Calvary Aurora has a thing meeting Thursdays at seven called Addictions through uh, um, uh, How to Cure Addictions Through Jesus, mm. and I'm tending Thursday at seven, and uh, so yeah, I, I I I plan on doing that, but I thank you, man. Yeah, you bet. Let me pray for you before you go. 
Heavenly Father, I pray for Sean, and thank you that he's seeking to walk with you, Lord, and we do, do truly pray that you would set him free. Lord, let him experience the freeness of the, the freedom of the children of God, just as your word says there in Romans 8. And so I pray that he would experience that freedom, um, not just in his spirit, but in his body and in his mind. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Sean. Thank you, Pastor. Thank right, you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. You too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Anita and Parker. Hi, Anita. Welcome to the program. Hi. I hope you're having a very blessed week. Absolutely. What's up? I just wanted to um, give some encouragement to my brother, Sean, that was just mm-hmm. on the air. Um, I mean, I lived the life that he's living and the torment, and though I knew God, um, I wasn't really walking the path. So I totally agree with you. The first first thing I can tell you, Sean, is that get hooked up at Calvary Aurora if that's convenient for you because um, you'll mature as a Christian and you'll be surrounded by people who have walked the walk that we've walked. And, um, you know, a lot of people are ashamed. I I was uh, kind of a closet alcoholic. I was a functional alcoholic and could work. But even though I wasn't really, I was attending a church, I didn't feel like I was getting fed, but I prayed every night for God to help me, because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And I didn't feel like uh, some kind of a program would help me. So every night for, I mean, a long time, I prayed for God to put something in my life that would make me realize how alcoholism was, was going to ru- I mean, I would have lost my family and everything. And... Um, and he was faithful. Oh, I just, it was, you know, quite a bit of praying, but he was so faithful, Sean, and he took away, uh, I actually had, what happened is he sent sent my, um, my problem through a stomach problem, and the doctor told me, you know, you always lie on forums about how much you drink, and the doctor told me that, you know, um, if I continued drinking, uh, I've had a stomach issue, and if I continued drinking, um, I was uh, going to be on the road for esophageal cancer, and I had all kinds of stomach issues. And you know what? That's what it took. I went home that night, um, and I got rid of, and I had a lot of booze in the house, as mm. wine was my thing, got rid of everything. Mm. everything and i just trusted god and one thing i can tell you is you'll learn who your true friends are and who aren't mm. um i can only suggest that for at least the first few weeks you not go anywhere where alcohol is served mm. and where you know if you've got friends that serve alcohol at their homes or functions because you're you're weak right now and, and God will be working on you to give you the strength, but you've got you've to help yourself by just taking yourself out of that environment completely. But just get rid of the booze, because if you don't do it, it's, and then when you, when you continue to drink after you've tried to stop, 
you feel guilt. I mean, Satan is really going to be working on you because of, you know, he doesn't want God, you to be close to God. He doesn't want you to find the curing grace. Anita, I'm going to have to interrupt you real quick okay. because we're going to break in just yeah. a second. Well, anyway, but hey, I, these are really but, great words. But and, I just um, wanted to I, encourage him. And I just, awesome. I'd like to conclude kind of this this first half of the show, if you would let me to just pray for people who are struggling with addiction, because I think there's a lot of them out there, like you said, even in secret addiction. So, um, Lord, we pray for people like uh, Sean. Thank you for saving Anita out of that and bringing her... um, her to liberty, like we said, the liberty of the children of God. Lord, we pray for other people out there who might be listening who are struggling with addiction. Maybe it's uh, full-blown. Maybe it's something that's functional in its closet. Lord, we pray truly you would set them free and they would know the freedom that comes through Jesus and the freedom that you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We are going to be back right after the break. The number to call, 303-690-3000. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. Give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. We've had a ton of text messages come in, and we have all open lines right now. So if you'd like to call in on the call-in line, we tend to give priority to that one. Uh, again, the number 303-690-3000. Well, I've got you here, let me take the opportunity to invite you to uh, come this Sunday or any Sunday to the church that I pastor here in Longmont, uh, which is called Whitefields Community Church. We're a church that loves Jesus. We love to study the Bible and worship. We have a great children's ministry, and we'd love for you to come visit us. So if you're in the area of Longmont or any of the surrounding towns, whether it's uh, to the north and to uh, Berthoud, Mead, uh, east of us, Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, Erie, Lafayette, Niwot, Lions, we'd love to have you come visit us at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. This Sunday, we're going to be continuing our study of the book of Romans, and uh, this week we're going to be in Romans chapter 9. I know it's a chapter that people have a lot of questions about, so maybe there's some of you listening out there. I have I'm all read up on it now because I, I spent this morning uh, preparing for Sunday. So uh, if you have questions about Romans 9, give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us 720-336-0897. While we're waiting for calls to come in, let's go over to our text line. Our first text says this, uh, My marriage is nonstop fighting. It's not physical. Uh, but I'm unhappy and nothing seems to be working and I want to leave. Um, please pray. So yeah, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for um, this brother or sister, I don't know which, but um, struggling in their marriage. And Lord, I I just, my heart goes out to, to this person. Lord, I'm sure you know the details of their situation as well. And Lord, I just pray that there would be a breakthrough here, that there would be um, where there needs to be forgiveness, that there be forgiveness, where there needs to be grace, that there would be grace. Lord, I pray that love 
would be characterizing this relationship and not fighting. And Lord, I do know that um, that usually there's something more umber- underneath um, the reason why people are, are fighting. And, and Lord, I pray that whatever is the underlying issue or factor here, Lord, that really you would work in that area, or that you would bring conviction, or that you would bring uh, forgiveness, that you would bring healing. Lord, I pray that whatever's going on, that you would uh, do that. I pray you'd send people into their lives or send them to people who can really help them and minister the gospel to them. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, do a breakthrough in this relationship of this uh, texture. And I also pray for other relationships out there. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are struggling in their marriages. Um, and so, Lord, we just ask, Lord, have your way in our marriages. We pray that truly our marriages would reflect what you designed marriage to be, just this wonderful reflection of the gospel that we get to live out every day, that we get to love another person the way that you have loved us. We get to forgive another person the way you've forgiven us. We get to build up another person the way that you have built us up. We get to sacrifice for another person the way you've sacrificed for us. Lord, I I truly pray that you would work in the marriages of people who are listening. I pray that husbands would love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But I pray that husbands would wash their wives with the water of the word, that they would speak your words of life over their families and over their wives and not uh, words of condemnation or words of criticism. Lord, I just pray for uh, healing and for life in these relationships. So I pray that there may be relationships out there that need new life breathed into them. And Lord, we know that you can do that. You bring dead bones back to life like we read in the Old Testament. So Lord, I pray that you would do that in some of the marriages out there of some of our listeners and and texters and callers. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Leah on line one. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the program. Hello. So I've been listening to the program today, and I am kind of on the other side of of the addiction situation right now. I'm a recovering addict, and um, my husband, um, he keeps relapsing. And I teach Sunday school. I'm very, we're very involved. Well, I'm very involved with my church, Mm -hmm. and I teach pre-K. And I have a job, but they're garnishing my wages right now. And at this point, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. I can't. So my question is this. I know God hates divorce, mm-hmm. but I am tired of feeling like, you know, when I just keep forgiving, 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 he just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over. And I just don't what well, my question is, is where do I land with this with God? I can't afford to leave, but I'm so miserable. I don't want to stay. Yeah. And I assume that you, you've already tried to help your husband with, with uh, uh, repeatedly. He just went yeah. through, we just spent, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a treatment program for him, and then he came back and drank and almost lost his job, and now he's drinking. He came to work today and picked me up from work, and he's been drinking again, and I just, I don't, you know, I just don't know what to do anymore, and I feel like, where are you, God? I mean, I've been feeling like that lately anyways. He's got two garnishment on his wages. I've got a garnishment on mine Mm -hmm. from cancer bills. Wow. That he had to, he had cancer, he had prostate cancer um, last year, and it's just like everything has just been it's chaotic, you know. I 
I can't deal with the chaos anymore, and I don't know where God wants me to land on what side of this. I don't know what to do. I don't want to give up my church family. I don't want to quit teaching Sunday school. I mean, it took me a long time to get sober in my own life. You know, I've been battling my own addictions for years, but now I feel like God's got a plan for me, but I don't see how this fits into the plan, and I just am really frustrated, and I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Can I ask about, it sounds like you're really involved in your church. Do they have a good support system for you? Do they know about what's going on in your family? has been drinking again today i mean he had six he had almost 70 days of sobriety and then oh, he blew it again today you know i mean so it's not like he hadn't been trying but i mean every time he falls back it just sets us back to this you know to zero and the trust is gone and uh you know and then we're back at and then i act out i act in ways you know, I yell, I scream, I cuss, and I act like a fool, and then I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I just don't know what to do anymore, Pastor. Yeah. And, I, well, and my pastor is on sabbatical right now. And oh, so I see. I can't really call my regular pastor, you know. I mean, we've got other pastors that are... That are there right now, but not my pastor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because she's on sabbatical right now, and she won't be back till November. And I don't want to call her and burden her with, with this. And so I thought, well, all this well, stuff going on on the radio, maybe. maybe sure. No, it's a great. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of people who this is affecting. You know, I had no plan or idea that this was going to be a common theme today, but you know, that's the way God's led it. So, you know, Leah, I, I, uh, I think this may not be an easy thing to hear, but I. I just recently did a wedding, and, and as I was doing the wedding, I was just even looking at these people I was talking to and thinking through some of these things that I was saying to them that we always say, right? These vows that we take for better or for worse and for sickness and in health. And I got to tell you, it sounds like you're definitely in the uh, sickness and worse categories right now. And um, and and But I do want to encourage you that, um, you know— ha- are you familiar with the book of Hosea? I mean, I don't want to divorce him, but I don't want to live with him when he's doing this. You know, yeah. it, So, Leah, let me let me just say this. Um, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Leah, I just want to tell you that, you know, if you've read the book of Hosea, that's a picture of God's love for his people. And we know that marriage is meant to be a picture of God's love, right? So it's a picture that we get to live out. Now, here's the thing with uh, with Hosea. I mean, you, you look at that and you're like, wow, could this really be? How could God really want somebody to stick with a spouse who does these kinds of things? And yet God is saying, well, this is my love. And here's what I would tell you. I would not encourage you to live in a situation in which you were in danger or in which you were being abused. Um, but I still would not recommend divorce. So I think that right. there can be other other solutions that are temporary and with the goal. And this is always the goal. The goal is restoration and the goal is to help. And um, and I can understand that, you know, I know how addiction can be in the sense that if if you leave or something or if even just a separation that might drive him towards more. But I want right. you to not be driven by that fear. So if you need to if you're not safe or if you're feeling threatened, um, then I would say then there might be a solution in which you can live separately. But my my advice is not towards divorce. My other advice is discuss this with your church family, because I know if they're 
if they're a church that loves Jesus and believes in grace, which I hope that they are, then they're yeah, going they to are. work with you. <laughs> and when you say that they, you know, when you say, hey, I love being in church, I'm really struggling. We're, we're struggling financially because of my husband. Uh, I don't want to give up teaching children's ministry. I love serving the Lord, but here's what I'm dealing with at home. My guess is they're going to work with you and it's going to be really good. So I, I think right now what I would encourage you to do is to take a couple days and pray, encourage your husband in the right way, but don't do anything in the moment because obviously, you know, you're pretty upset and rightly so. But let me yeah, let me pray for you. Right Oh, yes, exactly right. You're right. Okay. Well, let me pray for you, Leah. Heavenly Father, pray for Leah. And I just ask, Lord, um, calm her mind, calm her nerves, and help her to have so much clarity right now in, in the midst of this, this kind of uh, crisis moment. Lord, I pray you give her clarity. I pray that you would hold her and that you'd be with her in this moment. You give her wisdom. Lord, your word says if anyone lacks wisdom, come to you and you give it freely to those who ask of it. And so, uh, Lord, I, I pray for Leah and her husband. I pray that he would truly be sober, Lord, that he would experience that freedom and that it would be lasting and that this today what happened would just be a bump in the road, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an ongoing thing. So, Lord, we pray that for them. Um, we pray for the church family that they would show them grace and that they would have wisdom and resources to walk through them with it. So, Lord, be with them and take care of them. We ask Jesus. In your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, God. Leah, God bless you. God right. bless you, too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church. Let's go to a related call, Andy in North Glen. Uh, hi, Andy. Welcome to the program. Hey. Yeah, first off, you're, man, this show's awesome. I just tuned in. I'm new to Colorado. Um, I just, yeah, Welcome I'm definitely going to check your church. I'm checking your church out. This sounds awesome. Um, cool. I just wanted to quickly say, years ago, I went to rehab. Um, I almost lost my mind. A lot of the people that were working with me didn't think I'd make it, but I did. Um, I'm in the healthcare industry now, helping other guys get sober. But I wanted to say, you know, I, I had four and a half years of nothing. No alcohol, no drugs when I first first got sober. And people in, in, in a certain church I went to said, oh, well, now that you're a new creation, you're a new creation. You, know, you can do whatever you want kind of thing. So the advice I have is, is, is when I decided to drink again after those four and a half years, instantly I was hooked again, instantly. Mm. And I finally got the best advice ever from someone in, in, in a, a secular recovery group, and he said, Andy, God can heal you from a bullet wound, but it doesn't mean you're bulletproof. Uh. And that's one thing I would say is, is once God starts to give someone that victory, don't go back. And for me, you know, I thought, oh, well, now I can probably control my drinking. You know, I'm a new, I'm a new, new creation. It's been four and a half years. I'm telling you, instantly I took that drink and I thought, six won't be enough. Why do I only have six? And I'm just telling you, whoever's out there and, and is thinking that, just talk with someone, pray with someone, and don't go back to the vomit, man. Don't yeah. go back. It's Are you talking like it. the verse that says like a dog returns to its vomit, right? That's what yeah. you're referring to. You yeah. know, what comes to my mind as as I'm talking to you, Andy, is um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again yeah. to a yoke of slavery. Amen. Amen. I remember, man, I've, yeah, I could get that tattooed on my body. I remember reading that so many times. That and... 
and it's almost like you're going to be talking about Romans 9. I used to read the end of Romans 7 over and over. I remember tears on my Bible thinking, why can't this be true for me? And mm. today it is. It yeah, is. Praise and, the Lord for that, you know, man. Yeah, so whoever it is out there, man, just keep reading the Word. Keep reading the Word. There was a guy in, in, the, in the rock band Corn. I never liked him, but but his, their testimonies are amazing. There, there was a guy that drank all the time, and probably sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that. And he kept reading the Bible. So he, he said something about it. He just kept reading it because it was he felt a, an internal change happening. Next thing he knew, he quit everything. And, yeah, and he's a believer, Welch. and he's free. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, it's... <laughs> so, anyway, I just... I, I never call in on these things. It makes me nervous, and I enjoy <laughs> listening. Great, but man. I just I wanted to give it. some encouragement. Um and I appreciate you and what you're doing. This is this is awesome. Uh, cool. Awesome, Andy. Hey, praise the Lord for what right. God's done in your life. Hey, you know, one other thing you said, it brought to mind another Bible verse. It was Ephesians uh, chapter 5. It says, um, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And it's kind of like that idea, you know, in the Old Testament, mold or a fungus, yeah. right, is a picture of sin. And you think about yeah. that mold grows in the dark, but when you bring right. it into the light, it can't, it doesn't grow anymore. It shrinks back. And I think yeah. that maybe there's some people out there today, you know, cause we had that other caller who was talking about how she had a functional addiction. Like she went to work and nobody even knew she was an alcoholic. Um, yeah. and I bet there are a lot of people out there like that. I, you know, what's funny when, uh, it's not funny at all, but it's interesting. So when, before I got married, I lived with about three guys. We had an apartment together and this was when I lived in Hungary and, um, this one roommate just all of a sudden one day, I mean, we lived in a very small apartment and I find out that this one of my roommates has been an alcoholic the whole time because he was a functional alcoholic. He went to work and then he would come home and he would drink. Um, and, you know, what had to happen in his life was he had to bring that out of the closet, bring it out of the darkness and bring it right. into the light and he could get help. And he did. So. Right. Well, and I, I love what you said. My fiance is going to a nutritional therapy school, and her, her, her one of her professors is a doctor. Real fast to add to that, you know, when the sun gets on your skin, that's the actual sun, uh, not the sun of God, which, but this is the analogy. When the sun uh, hits your skin, it, that actually helps cure all kinds of fungus diseases and, and uh, skin diseases. Um, and we won't go into all that science, but sure. it's interesting. I mean, it relates when, when you're exactly what you said. Whenever we bring it to the light. The sun will heal it. And um, that's awesome, man. One other thing you said that I thought was really good was that um, you have to know your weaknesses, right? Like um, you're not bulletproof. And so I think that's a really, really good uh, advice for people out there is, hey, um, you're a new creation, but you you need to know (laughs) your areas of weakness. And you need to – that's wisdom is, you know, walk in wisdom and don't go to those places where you are going to be tempted because it's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. So, well, real, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to let you go, Andy, because I got another caller uh, that I got to get to okay. and we're getting to the end of the show, but I really appreciate your call and God bless you. All yeah, right, no, yeah, I'm praying for everyone. Thank you. Awesome. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have about 11 minutes left in the show. Uh, we can still take a few more calls. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Chastity in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Chastity. Welcome to the program. 
Hi there. Hey, thanks for holding. Sure. Um, let's see. I guess I just have like a three-part question. Wow. We know that there's sixty. I know we know that there's sixty-six books in the Bible, and we believe every word to be true. But how do we know that there weren't any books left out? And how do we know that none of them were altered since they were written by man? And also, how did they put those books together? Yeah, that those are really great questions. You know, I just did, so I'm doing a master's program right now in a seminary, and I did an entire semester on that. So just to let you know that people do entire semesters on this subject, so it's a really uh, big subject and probably not one that I can thoroughly answer in the few minutes that I've got you on the air. But let me give you maybe some resources, but also uh, the I'll give you some some broad general answers to your question. And then I do encourage you to look more into it because what I found studying this on, you know, at the university level, master's level over, you know, six months of my life is that I came away from it convinced that this is the word of God. So to answer your question, let me give you a couple evidences. The main evidence is this. 66 books of the Bible, they were not written by like one person. You know, they were written by about 40. So 40, give or take one or two, um, because some of the books are disputed who they were written by. But um, 40 different authors over, a, over the course of 1,700 years, roughly. So 1,700 years. 40 different authors, most of those people never met each other, it's written in three different languages on three different continents. And, and yet, it all comes together to tell one cohesive story. I think what's really interesting about the Bible, too, is that if you look at the Old Testament, it becomes very clear that the purpose of the Old Testament is not to tell history primarily. I'll give you an example. Genesis chapter 5 tells us about what happens over the course of 1,600 years of human history. And it doesn't really tell us that anything notable happened. It just skims over it and tells us about one guy who walked with God and went to heaven, uh, Enoch, but then it continues on. And so it's not really just for the purpose of telling history. It's for the purpose of telling a story. And that story is the story of the Messiah. So if we don't, and even the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament about? It's about how the world was created good, fell into sin, but God is working to redeem it. He's going to send somebody. It's all about these promises of God that are going to be fulfilled. And then the New Testament is about the fulfillment of that promise. So the whole Bible from beginning to end is one cohesive story about Jesus. But it is wild that it was written over 1,700 years by 40 different people on three different continents and three different languages. And yet it is without contradiction and it's a cohesive story. Now, you asked uh, another question, was it was written by man? Um, and so what we know is that the writers themselves had this understanding that what they were writing was written under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And they understood that as they wrote. And so we know that, um, you know, I, I wrote an article about this on my uh, website. So a lot of people, um, I, I sometimes recommend my website if you go on to nickkady.org then you can search for this. Um, there's an article called, Did the New Testament Writers Know They Were Writing Scripture? And I've gone into some detail about the answer to that question. Um, another question, how do we know they weren't altered? Well, we know that they weren't altered because we have archaeological evidence. Uh, right now, the um, Dead Sea Scrolls, are. I think they might be done. Um, I think they might be done in the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, but 
But if not, uh, they were there for a long time. I went to see them twice. Um, I'm going to Israel in the spring, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the real big scrolls. But here's the thing. that What the Dead Sea Scrolls told us, I got another article on that if you go again, nickkady.org, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. Um, I have an article called, Why Are the Dead Sea Scrolls Important for Christians? And I go into some stats there about what the Dead Sea Scrolls tell us. And what they tell us is that the Old Testament didn't change. There's not a lot of dispute over whether or not the New Testament was changed because we have so many documents um, going back so far that we can be very confident that the New Testament hasn't been altered. As far as the Old Testament, though, you know, I mean, these are much older, obviously, but what the um, what the Dead Sea Scrolls show us is that they were not altered. Um, and that's very encouraging for us. It tells us that uh, we can actually trust that when we read the Bible, we're reading something that hasn't been changed. And we know that the way that the um, the Jewish people handled the scriptures was that they uh, they were very meticulous. So if you were copying a scroll, of course they had to do it by hand. What they would do is they'd have one person copying and two person uh, two people looking over their shoulder, which you know might sound annoying, but it's also helpful if you don't want to make mistakes. And so, um, so, you know, we can have a lot of confidence in that. And then um, how did we come to be canonized? So canonized means how did we go from having all these random books to having them put together in one volume uh, that we read mm-hmm. together and call the Bible? The answer to that, again, is, is somewhat uh, long, but I'll try and make it short. Um, the Old Testament canon, like I said, the Jewish people had this sense that God was speaking to them. Ever since the time of Moses, when the books were written, you remember God would speak to Moses, Moses would write it down, give it to the people. There's always this sense that God speaks to people and we record it and we write it down. And, and, you know, that was also something very unique about the Jewish culture, that they were a reading and writing culture and that they, the reason reading and writing was so important to them was because the word of God was not just handed down orally, it was also handed down in written form. And so, the Jewish canon was solidified before the time of Jesus. And, you know, just tangentially, I'll say this, that it also didn't include the apocryphal books. So by the time of Jesus, those apocryphal books had been written, but they were not recognized by the Jewish people as scripture. In fact, they're still not recognized by the Jewish people as scripture. Now, again, that's just a tangent, but it does get to that question that you asked of how do we know that we got the right books? As far as the New Testament, here's what was happening during the New Testament period. And I think this is often overlooked by people because they say, oh, well, you know, we only got the New Testament canon at the time of Constantine and the Council of Nicaea. Well, that's not exactly true. We know this, that those books were already in distribution and that people considered them scripture as they were being written. For example, Paul in his letter to the Colossians tells them, I want you to read this book in all the churches of the region, and I want you to make copies of it and distribute it. In other words, that wasn't just a a letter that he was writing to some friends. He was writing this as an authoritative letter, and he understood that as he's writing it, it's not like a letter that he writes to a buddy. He's writing this with apostolic authority, which means God-given inspired authority. The other, the other part of this is that uh, there were some books that were disputed. Now, there weren't many. 
right? So James, there was a book called The Shepherd of Hermes, and then Hebrews was a little bit disputed. And what happened is that there was just so little communication. These people were so spread apart from each other throughout the Roman Empire that like one region of the church would have a canon that had maybe one extra book or not, or the missing another book. And another region would have not have those books, but the core books, right? So there's 27 New Testament books. Let's say out of those, about 22 to 25, everybody had and everybody considered scripture from the time that they were written. Even if you read the Gospel of Luke, what you'll see is that what Luke does is that he's saying, I am going to write an authoritative account. I'm going to take all these little accounts of Jesus that have been written down or distributed or, or told. I'm going to get them. I'm going to verify them. And I'm going to make them authoritative. And so um, we know that most of the New Testament was already recognized as Scripture on the same level as the Old Testament um, way before Nicaea and Constantine. But what Constantine did is, you know, he became a Christian and whether or not he was a genuine Christian is disputed, but it also doesn't really matter. Because what he did is he came in and he said, well, wow, you know, it, all the church, we need to get the church on the same page. So he did is he organized the first big council. He got everybody together. And for years, they discussed, studied, and labored to make sure and that they had some criteria. One was apostolic origin. Another was uh, that it couldn't contradict any other part of the Bible because they figured, hey, God doesn't contradict himself. So if God inspired these books, they wouldn't contradict each other. And, um, and they had to have also been recognized as scripture prior to that. So that was the criteria. And again, there's so much more on that topic. I would just encourage you to read on it. But I'll just tell you this, and hopefully this helps, but uh, me studying this at the university level has just given me so much confidence in it. And I know that as you study more about it, you'll get that confidence too. So thank you for <laughs> letting me uh, go on about that, and God bless you. Uh, you too. Thank in. you so much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. We are in our final minute of the show. Um, you've been listening to Calvary Live, and just uh, thank you for those of you who called and texted in today. You tune in every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m., Listen to Calvary Live. Um, check us out, whitefieldschurch.com, and, uh, and download the Grace FM app and uh, be able to listen on the go wherever you are. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.